You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Weren't our hearts burning within us when he was walking alongside? In the name of God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. You can have a seat. Good morning, church. What an incredible set of passages. Oh, this season of Easter, we're looking at these kinds of events that happened in the early church just after Jesus was raised from the dead. Can you imagine how crazy life must have felt for these people? The things that they were seeing, the things that they had just seen with the crucifixion and now the resurrection, these rumors that he's alive. Jeez, wow. Likewise, so are we learning to live in this new kind of world, this new reality of dealing with the fact of Jesus' death and resurrection. Figuring out what it means now (laughs) that we're on a totally different territory having witnessed what we just witnessed in his crucifixion and in his resurrection. When I, um, this is not gonna be a surprise to some of you, but when I was in ninth grade, I was a bit of a twerp, you know? Um, I talked a lot of smack and I shouldn't have. I think, I don't know, I had younger brothers and so that you just do. And then when I was in ninth grade, it kind of, that's when it all like uh, did not work out for me very well. But I had uh, like a card up my sleeve and it was my sister's name because my sister was a senior and she was actually cool and people liked her and she was a student body president. She had all kinds of mojo going on for her. So when I would get into sticky situations, I, I would, if someone didn't know who I was, mention like, oh, Sarah. And, you know, the threat would kind of like fizzle out a little bit. Sometimes, sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it didn't. But most of the time, that card would work. I could play that card and it would work. Her name, it worked in those situations because of who she was, the relationships she had, the the people that she knew, what people knew of her. Despite who I was, there was something that actually worked with her reputation and her name, who she was. Her name could get me out of a bind. It could, like, um, get me favors. It could do all kinds of things as a freshman. And as a freshman, I know this sounds like, geez, John, that's terrible. We needed all the help we can get as freshmen, right? So, of course, I used her name. If you've ever name-dropped for your benefit, and I know y'all have, right? We've, We've done this, right? Then you get a little bit of what's happening, I think, in our readings in Acts especially, Uh, And except there's a difference between the names we drop and even me dropping my sister's name, like stay out of trouble. The name of Jesus, unlike all other names, is uniquely powerful. There's actually like, not only just because of who he is and what he's done, but there's actually power in his name itself. Not as if it's like some sort of magic abracadabra name, but there's the scriptures tell us power in his name. I want to look at that this morning with us. We look at Acts, the story of Peter healing a crippled beggar. Did you hear this? Who sat outside the gate of the temple, backing up a few verses. We read that Peter, before our reading, if we backed up just a few verses, um, Peter came to the man and said this in verse 6. I have no silver or gold. He's seen this cripple outside the gate. Look, I have no money, no silver or gold. But what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. The man was healed by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He he actually stood up and walked. Can you imagine doing that? Healing someone in the name of Jesus? 
There was power in his name. There's power to heal, authority to get it done. Now, so many of us are saying, like yellow lights at least, if not red lights completely, we have seen the name of Jesus be abused and used for like any wish list that people have had, right? I know, like all of us are going, oh my gosh, is he gonna tell us to go use Jesus's name? So many in the world have said, in the name of Jesus, here's what I want, right? Turning his name into like a spiritual quick fix. But it doesn't look, work like a rabbit's foot using Jesus' name. It's not some lucky charm. It's not a genie's lamp, Jesus' name, that we can rub and get whatever is before us before, that we want. But it doesn't mean that there's not power in his name just because people like you and I tend to use it in vain sometimes. Isn't there power in his name? Right? Wouldn't you think there would be power? If there's power in anybody's name, wouldn't it be Jesus' name? We forget, or maybe we don't realize, and I think this is why so many use in the name of Jesus so inappropriately uh, often, because we forget actually a really critical part about our use of that name or lack of that name. Peter reminds the crowd of the Israelites something that's really, really critical I want us to pay attention to, and I think it actually really helps. Those Israelites were seeing this man healed in the name of Jesus, and they were confused, and so Peter tries to clear things up, and he says this in verse 3. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. Verse 15, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this, we are witnesses. We're talking about what it means to be a witness of the resurrection. But to really be a witness of the resurrection, we've also got to remember that we are witnesses to his crucifixion too, weren't we? And Peter seems to say not just witnesses, but like conspirators. We collaborated, we worked together to get him crucified. When we use Jesus' name first, it wasn't to invoke the power of healing, was it? It was to condemn him. We chose to condemn Jesus before the governing authority in public. For everyone to see, we condemned him. When we could have uttered the name of Jesus, friends, when we could have said, in the name of Jesus, let him go, we didn't release the author of life, did we? We chose to speak the name of a murderer, Barabbas, release him. We'll take him. We cannot be witnesses of the resurrection unless we first admit that we called for his crucifixion. And to cap it all off, did you notice the one who's pointing all this out to us? Peter? Who are you, Peter? To tell us that we turned against the Lord. Peter, wasn't it you who handed Jesus over, who denied that you even knew Jesus? What's so special about Peter? Well, actually, I think that's exactly what Peter is trying to say. He says here, why do you wonder at this? Why are you looking at us? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we made this guy walk? We're not the big deal. It's not by our name. Peter, I think, could have even ad-libbed a little here and said, look, I was the guy who denied him. Do you remember who I was? 
Standing at the temple, Peter launches into this formal speech. Right under the shadow of the temple, in the exact place where Jesus was teaching great crowds only a few weeks earlier. But saying this time, don't look at me, don't look at us. It's not our power to heal this man, but it was Jesus. So to explain this and unpack this a little bit, because who knows what those mobs were thinking at the time, Peter explains using the phrase of something of a God that they would recognize. Not just saying God, but actually using a very specific phrase to mention and name God in the midst of this Jewish crowd in the shadow of the temple. It was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, which is actually not just something that Peter's making up, and it's actually not just a Jewish tradition to call God, but it's actually a quote from Exodus 3, verse 6. He's queuing up an old story that these folks would recognize to help explain what just happened outside their gates. Everyone in earshot, if they were a good Jew, they would recognize the story that he was referencing, this inside joke that Peter was queuing up and pointing to in Exodus 3. They would realize that, G- that Peter was putting everything that happened in this healing into the context of a different story. An old story, that story of God calling out to Moses from a burning bush, telling him to go back from the desert into Egypt and lead God's people out of slavery. What in the world does that have to do with healing this man? When Moses questions if this uh, is a, uh, if this is just a strange experience that I'm having or like, who are you? Who are you to tell me to go back to Egypt and like free these people? How is this gonna happen? God assures Moses that this is really Israel's God speaking to him. This is the God who promised to deliver his people from captivity. This is the same God that said, wipe the blood of the lamb over your doorpost. You remember this? This is the same God that led the Israelites in the wilderness with a pillar of smoke during the day and a pillar of fire by night. Same God who's speaking even now. All of these themes that Peter digs up from this one phrase from Exodus 3, they kind of work together and and interlock in this puzzle. We get this picture of this theme that all point to Jesus. This whole Exodus 3 story points to him whom God is working in and through to rescue his people, even now, even right outside the gates where this man was laying down. By referring to God as with this Exodus 3 reference, this kind of like Jewish inside story. Oh, we know what he's talking about. Peter's essentially saying, this is the same God. It's our God. This is the one who's doing this right now. It's not us. It's the God who spoke from the burning bush. Remember him? Those powerful words that created the cosmos, you remember that God? This is the God that commands this this man to get up and walk. The God who promises to deliver, he's doing it again, friends. He's doing it again right before you. Why is all this important? Is this just like religious insider information that's super cool to see how the Bible is awesome and works really well together? No. Why is this important? I mean, that is cool. The Bible does really work well together. But why is this important? How is this helpful for us? Because this is the God who knows how to make things happen, friends. This isn't just some 
name that we throw out there. It's not some deity that's like, well, uh, we had good fortune this year, so let's keep that train going. This is the God who actually knows how to rescue people. And so when Peter is saying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's not just being vague about which God this is, but he's saying the God who has a track record for rescuing and healing, this is the God who's healing this man and he's doing it again. And this is the God that you handed over to be crucified. This is the same God that raised Jesus from the dead. We start to see this story stitched together, the full picture of it. Once he was in a burning bush, speaking through the burning bush, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, God of Isaac, has now come in the person of Jesus Christ. You want to see this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? No longer do you have to look to the burning bush, but you look to the person of Jesus. In fact, the burning bush points to Jesus. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, visible and present among us. Now the crucified and risen one. And Peter adds one more piece to this pile of story that's so fascinating. And he says this in verse 16. And by faith in his name, this God, his name itself has made this man strong. Do you see why that's way more broad and more interesting, more beautiful than just in the name of Jesus, I want to win the lottery. No, Peter is saying this God who has rescued his people, who's come and is in the person of Jesus and has crucified and died and raised him from the dead. This is the God that we're now invoking his name. And by faith, by trust in this God and his name, there is healing. This man is made strong through faith in his name. It's not magic. It's the power of God to heal. But there has to be faith. There actually has to be this act of stepping off the known into the unknown and saying, I know all of this about God. I know he has a track record. I know he can heal. But do I trust him with my wounds? Will I take that step and put trust in his name? I often think about it like this, and our bishop illustrates faith like this. Faith is actually not some emotional like uh, roller coaster. It's super simple. Can I just show you what faith is? Faith is this. I have trust that this step, because I've done this a million times, is gonna hold my weight. It's reasonable. It's done this in the past. I trust it could fall through, but not today, right? I'm gonna put the full weight of my body on these steps, on this floor. You're putting the full weight of your body in a chair. You have faith in this chair. You're leaning on this chair. You're depending on it to do its job. Guess who heals? Guess whose job it is to heal? Guess who knows how to raise the dead? Guess who knows how to heal? Guess who has a track record, who's always done it and won't let you down, that you can put the full weight of your trust in, even when you don't understand, even when God's timing isn't your own timing, Guess who you can put your full weight of your trust, your whole life in? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God that we have in Jesus Christ who is risen from the dead. Does that make sense? Faith doesn't have to be some mystical, like magical, weird thing. It's actually just deciding to put your trust in something. And this is the whole message of the gospel, that Jesus in his name makes people grow up. When they put their faith in him, with all of our doubts, when we put our trust in him, we grow up. 
We don't grow into some strange, like, religious weirdy. We grow up into someone who's more human, in fact, when we put our trust in Jesus. We become whole. We become healthy in the name of Jesus, rinsed, rinsed of sin and renewed at his table, standing literally on our own two feet like this man in the name of Jesus. He heals us and makes us whole. This is the whole message of the gospel, friends. It's not guilt and turn so you can be in the club. It's be made whole in the name of Jesus because he has the authority and the power and the track record to do it. That's the gospel. That's why it's called good news because it's actually good news. When we believe in him, when we put our trust in his name, we find a new way to live. We find life itself. We realize the thing we had before was some cheap knockoff. This is the genuine article. We find forgiveness, not only for ourselves, but the kind of forgiveness we can extend to other people. We find things are being made right. Friends, let's be real for a second. What other names do we turn to in our lives to make things happen? Like in ninth grade, my sister's name made things happen. But today, is it maybe the name of our bank? Maybe it's the name of my position at work. Maybe it's the name of someone that I'm like really good friends with. What's the name? Maybe it's your own name. Let's be honest, right? What are the names that we put our whole trust and faith in? Those names that we're hoping will make us whole. It may last for a minute, but it will always fall through every single time. But when we put our faith in the name of Jesus and we come to him who actually knows how to get this done, he has the power to heal us. He has the power to make us whole. We just sang, church, come stand in the light. The way we do that is by putting our trust in his name, living in the light of the resurrection, putting our trust in the name of Jesus. He's the one who knows how to heal. He's the one who knows how to rescue us. We can decide this morning again to put our trust in his name. If you're with us this morning and you have like yet to put your trust in the name of Jesus, um, or maybe you have a lot of objections and questions still about how this works and what it means to be a Christian, can I invite you, like those people who are walking on the road to Emmaus, still trying to make sense of all of this stuff, to come to Jesus this morning? You can decide, even with all of your objections and doubts and questions, you can decide this morning to put the full weight of your trust in this thing. Or even say, you know, I kind of believe, I kind of believe God, help the rest of my unbelief. Help me. You know what's so great and so gentle and so kind about Jesus is that he deals with broken, imperfect, doubting people. (laughs) He welcomes us. He comes alongside us when we don't even know he's standing right next to us and will explain things to us. And then when we get to the end of this journey and he breaks bread at his table with us, we think, wow, he was there all along. How did I not recognize his presence? Weren't our hearts burning within us when I was learning to put my trust in his name? He doesn't expect us to come finished like a polished Christian product, you know. No, we actually can't do it without him. All we have to do this morning is say, you know, Jesus, I I want you to walk with me. Explain some of this to me. Help my unbelief. And when we begin to put just a little bit of trust in him, when we begin to follow him, when we decide to go with him, he makes himself known to us. And friends, that's what we get to do this morning when we come to the table. And this is a healing Sunday. 
And so this is the time when I'll come down after communion and I, ha- I bring oil and I pray that Jesus would heal you in his name of whatever thing that you bring up. We'll, I'll pray for you briefly, lay hands on your forehead and pray for your healing. Friends, we have an opportunity this morning not to just in theory think about being a Christian, but even those who are old, crusty Christians, you can decide again this morning, I'm gonna trust Jesus. I'm gonna put my faith in his name and I'm gonna come to his table and discover, man, he's been there all along. He's been made known to us. Let's not pass up this opportunity to eat with the Lord today. Let's take a moment of silence to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to speak to us and show us the presence of our Lord. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.